Our subject uh, today is taken from Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And um, the title is really the um, Jesus versus Beelzebub. It's a, a common theme, of course, throughout the, the scriptures. And certainly in the time when the Lord Jesus was here on earth, is the constant confrontation that, the, that God, the Son, has with Satan. Uh, and that the Bible begins at the very beginning with that confrontation. And as we go through the, the scriptures and as we see the hand of God working uh, with mankind, you are constantly being asked to um, understand and appreciate this conflict that's going on. It's a, the question that you often ask yourself, and I'm sure uh, you've done the same as I have, but, and when you look at the Garden of Eden and you think, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? And I think the answer to that is maybe, <laughs> simplifying it maybe, is that in order to understand good, you have to have evil. In order to understand righteousness, you need to know un or see unrighteousness. Um, in order to see holiness, you need to be able to be confronted with sin. So these things are opposites and Satan is there for a purpose. And I think it's a good way of looking at it, is recognising that this conflict is going on all the time. And it's something that we are challenged with. But it's something which God has said he will support us with. He will guide us. He will lead us. And here when we come to this story, again, that's the focus that I'd like us just to consider. That this is relevant for today, as all scripture is. But when we're dealing with something maybe 2,000 years ago and looking at something that seems, and this passage is difficult when you first read it, it's just to have that over-umbrella thought that um, evil is there for a purpose. We need to recognise it, but more importantly, we need to understand where our help comes from and how we can overcome it. We follow a man who showed us the way. So let's read the section. First of all, it's uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 14 to 26. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking him for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. 
Now, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition is that the man is worse than the first. When we read in the Gospels a number of times, there's recognition, um, not just by the Lord, but uh, by his disciples and many others. They appear to have, certainly the Lord did, uh, knowledge of evil spirits and being able to identify them. I think if we today came across somebody who was mute, we wouldn't say he's got an evil spirit in him, or we would maybe be reluctant to say that. Interesting here that whether it was a case of Satan gathering his, um, his power and his followers in order to combat the Lord Jesus Christ, or whether it was just a, 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 an understanding um, that people assumed that these things um, were so, that there were evil spirits all around, and that was the, part, the reason why there was so much illness and difficulty amongst men, mankind. Certainly, if the Lord says it, then it's true. Uh, if the Lord so if he's sending, uh, driving out a demon, then that is the case. Um, so it's something I just mentioned really because it's, it's something I think we need to be aware of. As I said at the beginning, we need to be aware of sin. We need to be aware of sin all around us. Whether we identify it as an evil spirit, I think in some cases that's the case. Some, some of us are just not equipped to be able to be accurate in that um, identification. So we have to be very careful. Uh, but it's something that uh, we should at least be aware of the possibility. When you get the Lord Jesus coming here, driving out a demon, um, that was Christ's mission. That was why he had come. He had come to confront Satan. And this is a... a um, if you like, uh, evidence in a very practical way of him doing that. He was going to the cross, which was going to be the ultimate confrontation. But before that, he is showing by his actions, and he said time and time again, of course, that, uh, that he was of God. He was God, and he was coming out, and wherever he went and he saw uh, um, 
resistance caused by Satan, he was going to combat it. And here he's doing that. He identifies right away with this dumb man, uh, an evil spirit, and he drives him out. I think it, you always get this picture that God is more powerful than Satan. And of course, that is what gives us comfort. Is that when we are confronted with evil, it, it easily besets us, it easily um, causes us um, depression, almost, it, if we allow it. That um, things that just home in on us, which can all be seen as being caused by sin in some shape or form. And what the Lord is teaching here, and as he continues to teach us, my power is greater than the power of Satan. But that doesn't mean to say you're not going to be confronted with it, and therefore how do you deal with it? Once Satan's power had been dealt with here, you, you read that the man immediately spoke. Uh, th this is a, a clear evidence of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That there was no half measures, there was no doubt about it. Um, he did it openly and the evidence was clear. The, re the response that came was twofold. One, you get a group of people who are amazed. Now, that is what the Lord wanted. He wanted them to see uh, his power. He wanted him to see that he, his power was greater than Satan's. He wanted them to see that he had the power to drive out evil. Because that's why he'd come. And, and yet even there, Satan is working. And there's a group of people who are questioning it and saying, ah, He's doing that by the power of Satan. Which is a horrendous thing to say. You know, that um, they, they refused to, to see um, who he was. That, of course, was what Satan was all about. He was putting the doubts in all the time. Um, the evil is there. He is putting the doubts in. Is it, you know, is it Satan's power? I mean, how can you tell? Uh, it, it's difficult. Of course, the way the Lord dealt with it was, was, as usual, is lovely because he immediately says, well, um, he can't, Satan wouldn't divide his own kingdom. Why would Satan cast out Satan? It doesn't make sense. And, of course, he's pointing out just the, how ludicrous the argument was that they were putting forward. That, I mean, when think about it, I mean, if, um, if, if Satan has indwelt somebody and has caused this dumbness in this case, and, and everything in that sense is quite peaceful <laughs> from the point of view that Satan's quite happy. Um, he's got control of this person. Um, he, he's suppressed him and evil is being... <laughs> Uh, winning the day uh, so why would Satan cast him out why would another demon come along or the name of Satan be used to cast out this satanic evil that's in the man 
it doesn't make sense. A house divided will fall. And so the Lord was combating that and saying that, you know, this, this is ridiculous. They called upon and said, well, give us an, a, a sign from heaven. And again, it's a challenge because he's already said, I am from heaven. I am from my Father in heaven. And, but they're challenging it. You know, show us a, a sign from heaven. Well, that wouldn't prove anything anyway, even if he did that. Because if they're still believing he's from Satan, that wouldn't prove anything. So I think when it happened, you, you, like in any case, in any situation like that, you get the divisions. You'll get the people who are overawed, who marvel, who sit down and th consider the power of this man. And if you are making a decision, which in a, in a gospel concept where, where, where you're looking at um, salvation and um, whether there's a God or not, or whether God can give um, eternal life, then, then you can see here that what Jesus is showing is that um, follow me because I am powerful and I am much more powerful than Satan. So therefore, if you're weighing it up and trying to analyse it and then you want to get on the right side, look, what's happening here is quite evident that the Lord is saying, I am more powerful. I think, you know, when you, as I said at the beginning, when you think about the evil, um, when the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was put in the Garden of Eden, uh, there was also the tree of life. You've got a relationship that, um, that Adam and Eve had with God, which was perfect and holy and beautiful. And we can only imagine what that was like. But in the middle is sin. Satan was there. He was allowed to be in that place. He, and I just wonder if Adam and Eve were able to see that evil. They would have seen whatever you want to have a, a concept of what the tree meant, whether it's a physical tree or whether it's, it, it's a, an image of something, uh, something else. It doesn't really matter. Um, the Lord said to them, you don't eat of that tree because if you do, this relationship that you have with me uh, will cease. You will die. And I think, you know, that when death took place, death took place immediately. It wasn't a case of the, the death of the body, although that came, that came later. Um, it was the death of the relationship uh, that they went out of life into death when uh, they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And man hid from God, but then God drove the man out of the place where he was. There was separation. So right from the very beginning, there's been evil and good and evil. And the way mankind had to deal with it was um, when they were cast out and they had to till the land, there was the coming back. Adam and Eve were two people who were able, of course, to have had experience of both sides. They had the, the remembrance 
of what it must have been like in the garden, in that relationship with the Lord, that all-embracing love. And then they died. They died spiritually. They died to God and they're separated. And then from then on, it's all about the way back. And it starts with, <coughs> with Cain and Abel being taught how to get back to God because they are now sinful people. And in order to be able to have access at all to a holy God, there had to be sacrifice. And it gets taught right from the beginning. And of course, you know the story, Cain. Cain's the picture of the evil. And Abel is the picture of obedience. And the fact that Cain's offering is rejected is because he disobeyed God. And he challenged God. And it's like so many of us today. You know, we question, well, why does God say that? Or why does God want us to do that? Um, Isn't there an easier way? Or... Wouldn't it, will it really matter if we did it differently? God was angry with Cain. Cain got angry with God. <laughs> and Cain kills Abel. And you see the, that the, <clears throat> the difference there was that it was Satan there is trying to stop, is trying to prevent mankind's access to God. And so he kills Abel. And if you like, it's almost as if that's shut off. And it seems, well, what's God's plan now? What you actually read, of course, is at the end of um, chapter 3, is that um, it's Eve talk, uh, says that God had given her a replacement for Cain, and it was Seth. And the word Seth meant uh, positioned, placed. And it was, it's, you read that Seth gave birth to Enosh. And then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you see that God's replacement, that although Satan was striving to thwart that and prevent this mankind's access to God through Abel by killing him, God does not allow that to stop it. And through Seth and Enosh, then mankind again starts to have access to God through sacrifice. And so if you read, read on through scripture, you're getting this conflict all the way through of Satan and God, good and evil all the way through. And it's point coming to the, the pinnacle, of course, of the cross. These people here, they rejected uh, this thought that this was the kingdom of God amongst them. Here they had a man who had tremendous ability and he cast out the demon in front of their eyes. It's interesting, you know, when you read this that he, that is an argument also that the Lord also used. He says, there are those amongst you who have cast out demons. And you never said to them, they're doing it uh, in the name of Beelzebub. 
you see the grace of God sometimes and you think, why, why did the Lord Jesus allow other men amongst them um, to have the ability to cast out demons? We read earlier about the, you know, the, the, the story of the 70 that were, ca- that were sent out by the Lord and they came back rejoicing that they were able to do that. They did it in the name of the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus points this out to them and says, you know, you didn't, you didn't actually question them and say they'd done it by Belzebub. So why do you do it to me? And you see, the, 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 their challenge is, is very clear. It's against him. They're challenging him and they, they're just trying to put doubts in all the time. Uh, the, the thought that's given about um, God's power being greater than Satan's, that the, 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 the verse that refers to the strong man, in verse 21, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour, in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. That's a picture of, I think we know, this man who was dumb. It's a little bit like this is a strong man. He's got uh, control. This is like Satan, who is the prince, the power of the air. He's the one who has been allowed this power and he's strong and he's comfortable and if people um, allow this to continue then it's like the strong man guarding what he owns until somebody stronger comes and that is Christ and of course when Christ comes then this strong man isn't strong enough (laughs) Uh, and therefore he is defeated. And uh, the end result that it talks about dividing up the spoils is that you know the bringing of the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives and casting out Satan um, is the picture of the, the old strong man being sent away. And the result is the benefit of the body of Christ. Because as we add more people um, to the body of Christ, having accepted Christ as our saviour, having got rid of the power of Satan, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and indwell us, then the benefits of that are like the dividing up of the spoils. Then the person who has got gifts Uh, natural gifts we might call them can then channel them and use them to the glory of God and this is the benefit for others when um, they were breaking up Satan's power um, there's a picture also, I think, of that, that breaking up 
is being caused and is necessary to be seen, um, that people can see that happening. The benefits, I think, are also not just the, um, the obvious things, um, that the gifts or the ability are then channeled towards God and to the Lord's things, um, that people can then see that this man immediately spoke. So it's evident that the evil spirit has gone. It's evident that he can now become somebody uh, who can speak forth and speak about what's happened to him. I think it then it highlights, I think, the importance of the responsibility that we have, all of us who have uh, accepted Christ as our saviour, that we have a responsibility to others as well as to God in how we show our, uh, the fact that we are no longer under the power of Satan, that we are no longer dumb, that we speak out. It's a very good example, I think, of it, that um, we have a responsibility to speak. We have a responsibility of talking about where we have been saved from, what we've been saved from. We have a responsibility of talking to others about Christ coming into our lives. There's a difference between um, Satan coming out of us and <coughs> Satan being cast out or driven out. And I think this is also a big challenge to us, and it's referred to here, uh, that there is all, and the Lord refers to it here, is there's obviously cases of people, unsaved people, who the evil spirit, the demon, leaves them. And it talks about, the Lord talks about the, the house being swept. And the end result is that the demon wanders around and decides to come back. And because the house has only been swept, there's nothing to prevent him coming back in again. In fact, he'll bring, he can even bring more evil spirits with him. So the person's house is even worse off than it was before. Now what is that talking about in relation to us or in relation to mankind today? Is I think it's a case that there are some people who think that they were pretty bad before and that they've maybe done evil things regularly and, and they've now got rid of that and they're now living um, a moralistic life and they're quite happy and they feel as if they have achieved themselves a sweeping out. But there's a danger that that all come crashing down. What, what's the problem? Because it wasn't been washed. And if we think of the house as being our body, then it's not sufficient just to sweep it out and think, well, now we're living a reasonable, good life. We're okay. We need to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so, of course, 
That is the difference between a evil <coughs> spirit leaving and being driven out. He needs to be driven out. And I think that's where, once we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I don't believe an evil spirit can then indwell us. It doesn't make sense that that could possibly happen. So with the assurance that the Holy Spirit now indwells us, that is the proper washing, the washing out. It doesn't mean they never sin, but it does mean that uh, we are no longer controlled by Satan. It means that we are no longer in danger of being subject to him and controlled by him. I think um, it talks about, in, I think in Mark chapter 9, verse 25, that when the Lord cast out a demon, they never returned. And so that you see the, the difference between what the Lord was talking about earlier, where he said, you know, the demon could come out and come back in again. I think um, one of the, the, the areas that, that's concerned me, and I'm sure it probably concerns some of you too, is that, and I, I think I, I refer as an instance to, you know, the Church of God in Smyrna in, uh, in Revelation, when it talks about the church there, a group of, as we would believe, Christians, who in that church, and the Lord, the all-seeing eyes of the Lord, pierces through it all, and he says to them, if you overcome, if you overcome the difficulties that you've got, if you overcome, you will not suffer from the second death. The second death is eternal death. How can a Christian possibly suffer from the second death? That would be a worry. <laughs> My answer is it, it, he can't. So therefore, there must have been people in the Church of God in Smyrna who were not saved. Now that's a, a warning, if you like, to all of us uh, to be assured of your salvation, that it was perfectly possible and is today for people to say the right things, act the right way, and to sweep out their body in their house and to live moralistic lives and to say the right things and even get baptised and be added to a church of God and they are in danger of going into the second death because they have not accepted Christ as their saviour. So I think, you know, that these are challenges for us. Not, I'm not saying this is in a way to worry people, but we, we've talked before about by their works shall you know them. Um, the fact that if you are not for me, you are against me. What does that mean? That's a, a challenge to us. Are we openly for Christ? And is that seen? Is that working? Is our, are we acting like that as a people who are for him? Because if we're not if we are doing nothing 
if we are um, not talking about Christ, if we are not proclaiming his name, if we are not showing forth the excellencies of Jesus Christ, then maybe we should be challenged. And maybe if we have people that we know like that, we should be challenging them. Just to have that assurance and that knowledge that it is important that we get these things right and that uh, the difference between sweeping and washing, if I could leave that thought with you, and just the, and I, I'm not sure it doesn't apply to people here, but that, that some people may have the idea that because they are in churches of God, therefore they are eternally secure. It, it's not the place, the position. It's all got to do, first of all, with the assurance of your salvation, accepting that you, that Satan no longer has control and is there evidence of that? And that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are following Christ, and we are determined to show that in our lives, and that our activities after that, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that people see that in our lives, it's evident and it assures us that we are going forward with Christ, we are following him, we are controlled by him, we are allowing ourselves to be uh, in total service and servitude to Jesus. And therefore, if that is going on in our lives, then we should rejoice uh, in the fact that the demon has been cast out, our sins have been dealt with, and as a was saying in my uh, thought uh, this morning at the remembrance the, the knowledge that your sin has been removed it's been as far as the east is from the west the eternal death is not something that we have any worry about as a Christian therefore we have peace and that peace is important that we are assured of our salvation so I think I'll leave these thoughts with you um, it's a difficult passage this and uh, when you first read it you scratch your head a bit and wonder what it all means. Hopefully these thoughts I've given you give you some help with uh, what it means but again obviously if you have any questions please bring them to me and we'll talk it through and uh, I'll continue any help I can give you. Shall we pray?